Um, it can't just be, hey, can you guys build trails here? Uh, somebody has to be able to take that project on. So yeah, and that was, that was, that's really important. Welcome to Trail Effect episode 27. I am your host, Josh Blum. Trail Effect is a show that dives into the stories behind trails, the communities that embrace trails, and the people who rely on trails as a way of life. The goal of this show is to turn the stories you will hear from our guests into useful knowledge that can be applied to your community while providing some entertaining and inspirational content. Guests on Trail Effect include trail builders, board members, community leaders, volunteers, and regular people who really enjoy trails. For episode 27, we bring you Carlo Alfano from the River's Edge Trail System in Brunswick, Maryland. Carlo has a great story about what it takes to champion a trail system from beginning to end and how much of a positive impact a trail system can have on a community, even if it's only on 59 acres. Support for Trail Effect comes from Smith's Bike Shop and La Crosse, Wisconsin. Smith's is a full-service bike shop that is a retailer for Trek Bicycle Company and Salsa Cycles. Smith's also has a full line of components and accessories from Bontrager and other various companies. For more information about Smith's Bike Shop, go to www.smithsbikes.com. Com. A special thanks goes out to Ben Wellenek of Mountain Bike Radio for supporting this podcast and to the people who have shared their time and knowledge. Without this, we would not have these stories to tell. This podcast is an Evolution Trail Services production. For more information about Evolution Trail Services, go to www.evotrails.com. So I'm back with Trail Effect. This is Josh Blum here, your host. And today I'm here with Carlo Alfano. Carlo is a trail enthusiast slash super volunteer slash person who really enjoys mountain biking and has had a part in the River's Edge Trail System located in Brunswick, Brunswick Maryland, correct? That's correct. Yeah. Let's uh, let's get into your backstory a little bit, Carlo, and, and tell us how you, you found your way to bikes and, and cycling and mountain biking specifically. Very good. I, I, absolutely. So uh, first thing, uh, I want to continue a trend um, that I just learned about today on your podcast. I, I was actually listening to episode 24. <laughs> I know where this is going. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So uh, today on my uh, on my lunch ride, I uh, passed by a bunch of our locals playing pickleball. <laughs> How did I know this is going there right out of the gate? Yep. <laughs> so I, I thought it was, uh, I, I thought that was really funny when I, uh, you know, I'm not actually, I haven't even finished listening to that episode yet, but as soon as I heard that, I said, Oh, I got to bring that up. I have, <laughs> definitely have to bring that up. Yeah. All right. So, uh, back on track. So, um, I'm in, um, uh, by profession, I'm a, uh, employee wellness coordinator. Uh, I work for a, uh, for Frederick health, which is our, our local hospital system. Great place to work. I uh, really uh, enjoy working there. I've been there for about three years now. Uh, I grew up in uh, Fairfax, Virginia, which is probably about an hour, uh, hour and a half from here. You know, as a kid back in the late 80s, early 90s, you know, we rode bikes. But I think back then, I can't even remember what kind of bike I had. It was probably some Sears or uh, bike with a big black banana seat and big old handlebars. But, you know, most of the riding that we did was you know, just around the neighborhood. We had a, a little local trail that we could ride, but it was mostly gravel. And some people had built some little trails here and there, but there was really nothing to speak of. You know, when I went, I went into high school, I didn't really ride much anymore and spent most of my time uh, running track. 
And I didn't really get back into riding uh, mountain bikes until the uh, until the late '90s. Um, I think the first bike that I bought, or actually the first bike I bought, was a Trek 930, a black one. Absolutely love that bike so much. So I love the hardtail that I actually got another one a couple of years later. I got a GT Karakoram, uh, which I loved. And I, you know, it was funny. I was thinking about it the other day. It's like, man, I wish I knew what I did with that GT because I'd love to have that thing again out of either of the two bikes. I did a little bit of racing. Um, I raced mountain bikes, uh, did some 12 hour races some 24 hour races and, uh, attempted to do uh, a couple hundred mile races as well. Um, and, and then I got into cyclocross and, uh, up until probably two years ago, I was heavy into cyclocross. I raced it, uh, every weekend in the fall. And that was, that was just my thing. And, uh, I got out of it a couple of years ago and of course COVID hit. So, you know, racing hasn't really happened at much, uh, last year and hopefully it'll happen this year. And I might dabble back into that a little bit. I, uh, I'm also a liaison with, uh, with more, uh, mid-Atlantic off-road enthusiast, uh, which is how I got this trail system built and, uh, a coach with, uh, uh, with NICA. You want to go into your, uh, the geog- the geographical location of more or the mid mid Atlantic off-road enthusiasts and exactly where Brunswick, Maryland is. So, uh, Brunswick is, uh, we are in the Southwestern part of Frederick County. It's a small town, about 7,000 employees, 7,000 employees, 7,000 people. (laughs) Um, we're 20 minutes from, uh, probably one of the richest counties uh, in the U S Loudoun County, uh, about 20 minutes from West Virginia and probably about an hour, hour and a half uh, from Washington, DC. Mid-Atlantic off-road enthusiast is, um, uh, based in, in Maryland, uh, and it's a volunteer group and we, uh, oversee trails in the Maryland, DC and Virginia area. Okay. So with that, you're the, you're the liaison and you got the river's edge trail system started. Let's talk about the early days of the river's edge trail system. You know, what you maybe, what you did to recognize both the need and the location of the trail sure. system and mm-hmm. kind of how, how you got it to where it was uh, approved to actually even do anything with this. It's, I'm assuming it's city park land or some sort yeah. of public land, correct? Yeah. It's 59 acres of, of property that's owned by the city. Most of the riding that I've, you know, when we moved to Brunswick, my, my wife and family and I, we moved to Brunswick uh, probably about um, 16 years ago. Um, I was living in Reston. I was commuting uh, on the weekends. Every Sunday, I'd ride up to, I'd drive up about 45 minutes up to the Frederick Watershed to go ride uh, Gamble National Park in the Frederick Watershed. And that just kind of tells you the trail void that existed between Virginia and, and Maryland and, and where you could ride. There were our trails in, in, in Virginia. Um, uh, but from where I was, everything was, you know, probably a good half an hour to, to 40 minutes away. Uh, from from where I lived at the time, so you know when we moved to 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 Brunswick, uh, I still you know rode trails out at Frederick Watershed, and I think like most trail enthusiasts, you know you you pass by land and uh, and you and you start to wonder, you know, I wonder if I could build trails on that property, and what would it take to do something like that, you know? Um, so back in in 2015, it, it really it it started with an ask. I uh, was sitting down uh, at our local uh, restaurant with 
the then bike shop owner of uh, Three Points Bike, which is a local bike shop here in town, uh, Keith Marks, and and the mayor at the time, Karen Tome. And um, I, I remember don't remember exactly what we were in there to talk about, but I started with, hey, uh, Mayor Tome, we have this property. What are we doing with this? Is, there, is anything happening with this? And she said, no. And I said, well, what about if we put a multi-use trail system there? And uh, the bike shop owner, Keith, looked at me and, and he, he said, you know, I was actually thinking the same thing. So uh, the mayor thought about it for a minute. And she said, you know, I think that's a really interesting idea. I think you should bring it to a council meeting. So um, about a month or so later, after doing some preparation and reaching out to some people, I think initially I'd reached out to more, but I hadn't really committed to the idea of, of working with them. Um, but I'd reached out to them. I knew about them at the time and, and reached out for some uh, information that I could use uh, to convince the city that, you know, bringing trails to uh, a small town like this would be a huge benefit. And of course, the focus was the economic impact uh, that it would have on the city, uh, as well as uh, another source of recreation. Um, our trail system actually fills, uh, fills a void uh, that we have in this area. For me right now, uh, if I wanted to, to go ride trails, I would have to drive 20 minutes, which isn't really that bad to, to, to the Frederick watershed from where I live now. But, you know, uh, it's, there's, there's nothing else unless you're going to drive an hour away. So the uh, first couple, we probably attended uh, two or three council meetings where we talked about this idea of, of building this trail system for multi-use. And that was the big thing was convincing them that you know, we're not just building a trail for mountain bikes. We're convincing, we're, we're building a, uh, a trail system for everybody to use. If you're uh, hiking, uh, if you're walking your dog, if you're a runner. And that was the big thing because we wanted to make it so that it was inclusive, so that everybody felt like they had a uh, um, some uh, a part in in using this trail system, you know, we really didn't meet much opposition uh, with that. Uh, one or two people uh, came to the council meeting to uh, talk about potential issues that we might have on the property. One of them was uh, this, you know, the rumored to be an old Indian burial ground on the property, and we wanted to make sure that if we did build trails there, that we weren't going to uh, disrupt that property um, uh, or that burial ground. And uh, but, you know, past that, uh, the city uh, unanimously unanimously approved the uh, the trail build. And initially, when we went to the city, you know, one of the first things that they asked us was, are you going to need any funding from us? And uh, at the time, we were like, no, nah, we don't need any funding. We we know what we're doing. We're, we're going to be good. So uh, I quickly realized uh, uh, after we received their approval that, you know what, we really do need funding. We got to figure this out. And then I realized, uh, boy, you know, getting in there and walking around and checking out these trails, I really don't know how to build trails. I've read up on it, uh, Inba Trail Solutions. I've, I've read these books, but I really don't know what I'm doing. So I knew that we really needed to get the professionals in to do this. So the first thing that we did is I reached out to Moore and, and told them, hey, I want to build this trail system. How can you help? And, uh, and they told me, he said, you know, if you uh, uh, maintain that trail system, we're here to help you. We'll support you. We'll provide you with the tools that you need. When it comes time for grant uh, funding and, and, and looking for funding to build the trails, we can help you with that as well. And then, you know, anything else that we can do to help. So uh, they helped me uh, with, at first, getting tools, which we needed for the trails. Uh, and from there, we started just doing some grassroots funding, uh, fundraising. And uh, that was probably the, the biggest challenge because I had never done any fundraising before. 
Uh, so we really didn't know how I was going to do that. But ultimately, we uh, went to social media and I just created a Facebook page on social media and started pushing it to all my friends uh, and uh, everybody in town that I knew. And before you know it, we raised uh, close to $2,000. And, and with that funding, we actually were able to hire our first trail planner to come in and actually flag the trail system. And uh, that was our yellow loop, which is our, call that our beginner loop. And, and from there, we actually started the, uh, the clearing and building of that trail. And that first mile of trail, which, which is our yellow loop, was uh, all hand-built and uh, took over 500 hours to, 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 to clear and build. So that was quite a challenge. So I want to back up just a minute because you, you pointed out something that a lot of people think about, but they don't actually do. And that is that you went and you actually took the steps to get approval. And then you reached out to your local trail or a sort of local trail organization more. more and you said, hey, I, I got this approval. I want to move forward. And what we see a lot is people coming straight to the trail org and say, hey, can you guys go do this? And usually the people at the trail org are all volunteers or most of them are. Right. They're also not necessarily just sitting on the couch waiting for that next person to show up and say, Hey, could you go do this? They're, all, they're usually always way overextended. Absolutely. Yeah. And so I really appreciate the fact that you went and did it, kind of took it on yourself. You know, we've had that here where people say, why don't you do this over here, over there and whatever, you know, whatever the location is. And we're like, well, we need someone to really champion that project. Yeah. And, and that's interesting because, you know, I've actually had people reach out to me uh, from, from the Harpers Ferry area, which is, you know, 20 minutes from here, um, you know, and, and, and they want to build trails over there. And so they said, who, do you, who did you talk to and what did you do? And I said, well, this is who you have to talk to. But, you know, if you need to be able to take that project on, if you're going to reach out to them, you know, uh, it can't just be, hey, can you guys build trails here? Uh, somebody has to be able to take that project on. So, yeah, and that was, that was, that's really important. Yeah. So you're a liaison with more. Yep. What does liaison actually mean with that organization? So um, we maintain that trail system. We, um, we do the fundraising. We maintain it. Um, uh, any, uh, we maintain the current trail system that's been built uh, and then any um, uh, future trail builds and any uh, improvements that are going to be made to that trail. So we are, um, for lack of a better term, we are the spokesperson for that trail system. You want to dig into what more actually is geographically and, you know, because obviously more was not in Brunswick. Right. Before. Sure. You kicked off and connected with them. Right. So um, more was founded back in uh, 1992. And I had to do a little bit of digging, but what was interesting that I found out was that the I, I don't remember who placed the first ad, but the, somebody placed an, uh, an ad in the Dirt Rag magazine, uh, looking for like-minded people to to form this this group, and and more was founded. They started uh, building trails in uh, Maryland, and D.C. and in Virginia, and and to date, um, we have over 300 miles of trails. And 61 state and county uh, and county parks in DC, Maryland, and Virginia. And we actually track our volunteer hours because we find that that's something that's very valuable to do, especially when you're going back and you're looking for uh, things like grants and, and things like that. And to date, we've contributed over 16,000 hours annually uh, to trail work. 
And we also lead uh, a lot of rides for both adults and, and kids. We have a, a program called S'mores for, for the little kids, which is really great. Um, Schaefer Farm is one of our trail systems. And, um, and there's a, a group of uh, liaisons who actually ride um, out of that park um, with, with a group of, of little kids. That's pretty cool. Let's, uh, let's go back into your trail system, the River's Edge Trails. Now, once you got the planning going in your, in your first loop, the yellow loop planned, what did you guys actually use for a process as far as building? Was it volunteer built? Was it, did you guys decide to hire uh, professional trail builders? What, what did that look like? Well, we really didn't have a whole lot of funding uh, to go with other, other than uh, what we started with with the grassroots funding. I did apply for a, uh, a grant through the State Highway Administration, the Recreation Trails Program. And first year, I didn't receive that grant. So we probably sat with about a mile of trail for about two years, which was just for me who I was thinking to myself, this is going to be an easy build. You know, this is going to go smoothly. I'm going to get this done really fast. But we're only talking about 59 acres of property. So this is going to go great. Didn't receive that grant the first year. So, you know, that first mile of trail, it got used, but it didn't get used by a lot of people. And, you know, it was that, that first year, two years where we had that up and running, you know, I was in there in the summer, in the spring and summertime, often with uh, gas trimmers. I had people in there helping me and we were in there just to try to cut that trail system back so that people could use the trail because, you know, you know, trail system doesn't get used. Mother nature takes it back. And that's, that's exactly what we were running into. But then the following year, uh, we reapplied for the state highway grant and uh, we were awarded uh, $30,000 through state highway. Uh, and that was great. So with that, we were actually able to hire our first professional trail builder. Um, and we hired a company out of North Carolina called Elevated Trail Designs. And they came out and um, built a really nice trail system for us. Uh, a combination of some single track flow and then some progressive jump trails that we have. And from there, things started to happen pretty quick. During that build process, um, the word started to spread that, you know, there's this new trail system that was being built in, in Brunswick. And uh, they were actually, they weren't even finished the trail build. And we were looking at uh, having our first, actually it was our first year for Maryland Interscholastic Cycling. Uh, through NICA, uh, and they were looking for race venues. And um, I mean, like I said, they weren't even finished the build, and uh, NICA was coming out to inspect uh, the race, uh, the trails to for a potential race course. So, um, you know, around that same time when we were, uh, when, when they were in there doing the build, I had gone back to the city and I said, hey, remember how I said that we, you know, didn't need funding? It would be uh, really great if we could talk about that again. <laughs> and I think they were a little confused at first, you know, it's like, you know, we, we talked about this and, and, you know, you, you said you weren't going to need any funding from us. And, and, and now you, now you're looking for some funding. And I said, well, you know, it's, I think it would be really good if we look at uh, the city uh, investing back into its property. We have this really good thing going. We have the, we have this professional trail builder in here. Word is spreading. We already have a, uh, a potential race coming. and. Uh, and the city was convinced that, you know, we need to start um, setting some funding aside uh, annually to, to put into this project. And, and that was great. Uh, it also helped to have um, some, some really strong trail advocates sitting on, on the council to, to help 
kind of pushed that that uh, that funding through for us. And to date, uh, we are probably at about thirty uh, over thirty thousand dollars of funding that the city has kicked into the to the trail project, which which has been great. Now, when you talk NICA venue, one of the things that comes up with NICA is usually that means pretty high numbers of people, both participants, but also family of participants. Right. Is that, since this land wasn't really used before, is there a parking lot and stuff like that, like other infrastructure there? Or did you guys have to figure that out as well when you knew that NICA was coming to town? Fortunately, the the trail system actually sits um behind uh, or in front, depending on how you look at it, um, our middle and our high school, uh, which is great. So, um, and this actually created a unique opportunity for them because a lot of the, uh, well, the three of the races that they, um, that they had the first year were in state parks. This is the only one that was part on um, uh, city property and part on Frederick County public school property. And, um, what was great is that we were able to use the fields that sat between the middle and the high school as the pit zone uh, and as the start of the race. And uh, we also were able to use uh, some cross country trails that have existed since the eighties from our cross country coach, which is still, he is still uh, our cross country coach. So that created a unique opportunity to be able to, um, to use both properties to have this race. Um, so parking was not an issue. I mean, if, if we didn't have the middle and the high school there, we probably would not have been able to have this race. Okay. So let's back up just a little bit. Cause you just went into a whole nother area that is pretty unique, which is a trail system adjacent to a middle school and a high school. Yeah. So how is that working? I wanted to go into the community end of things in a little bit, but I want to get into this Avenue right now, since we're there. Um, how's that working out just in general? Do you see... Do they actually incorporate some stuff into the school curriculum and get kids out into the woods at all that you're aware of? Not yet. That's a goal. That That is something that we're looking uh, towards. Uh, COVID has definitely put the pause button on that in a way. One of the first things that we were looking to do is actually build a, it's about a one mile extension uh, that would connect my trail system to the cross country trails by going around the back of the middle school, and that's on Frederick County Public School property. Uh, we had I had met with them uh, probably two years ago on that, um, and they were not comfortable at the time with with that idea. So um, we, we are going to be revisiting that here pretty soon. The but you know they've I've actually had them out on the trails, and there was really no concern with with uh, with the trail system being so close to to the school. What's interesting is is that the parking lot there's actually an access point um, on uh, on the property uh, on their property into the trail system that actually existed even before our trails were there and we don't know where that trail came from or where it went to it just existed and uh, and, and actually one thing that's really cool is is that um, we've got a number of different Eagle Scout projects that are that have been done on the trail system and uh, one of the actually the second project that we did was we had a, uh, a student who uh, was at the middle school, who was in high school now, um, who wanted to build an outdoor education center on the trails for our science teacher. So with that, we cleared out a big section of, of trail that was on city property, put in some benches, and he built this really nice big kiosk. Um, one side had, uh, it was a trail info, and the other side was a chalkboard area. 
And uh, what was really cool was, is that that first year, you know, before COVID, uh, the students would be out there on the, uh, on the trails and they would have little stakes in the ground and they were doing some, you know, scientific experiments and, and, and watching different things grow. The, while we didn't have any uh, bike curriculums there, um, the PE teachers were using the trails for their students to go out and exercise on, which was pretty cool. Yeah, that's a great story. I actually open enroll my daughter into a school that has a forest, a community forest behind it for grade school, just for that reason, just so she can get outside and has access to that. You know, it's, it's not riding a bike, but it's out, it's access sure. to, outdo- to outdoors, which is super important. Well, and we do, there is a discussion. Uh, I've had a discussion uh, with the lead directors uh, from, from Maryland and there's classic cycling. And um, we did talk about them actually bringing a trailer of bikes out to the middle school and, and getting some kids from the middle school and the high school out there. So uh, hopefully here uh, next year uh, when uh, COVID has, has calmed down, we might be able to do something like that. Yeah. Let's go into the community side of things. So on a more general or broad level, what has this trail system meant for the community, businesses, quality of life, um, whatever aspects that you've seen as, as benefits? Uh, everything, really. I mean, you know, quality of life, um, probably one of the most satisfying things for me is actually, um, you know, going out riding on the trails or doing trail work and seeing some of the locals coming and using it. Um, COVID, I think has really impacted our trails in a positive way. I think we're probably all seeing that. A lot of uh, locals coming out and hiking with their families, you know, during lockdown um, was huge. We've seen a huge uh, increase in the amount of mountain biking um, that, that's come to the area. Like I said, my, my house is about two miles away from the, from the trail system. And whether I'm you know, out riding my bike, or I'm I'm driving my car, going into town to do something. Nothing more satisfying than seeing you know uh, bikes on the back of cars driving into town, and you know exactly where they're going. Uh, so it's been it's been really good. The impact to the uh, economic impact to the to the town has been uh, has been great as well. Um, a couple of things. So you know, first we had our our NICA event, and the first year that we did it. Um, we, I uh, convinced the town. I said, "Hey, let's throw a, a welcome party for for uh, for NICA." So you know, we had about 200 racers uh, that first year. So that was pretty impressive for a first year for for uh, a league starting out. We have a campground in town, so we had a lot of people at the campground. Uh, we didn't have uh, a hotel, um, so a lot of people either commuted in from wherever they lived or they stayed at hotels in, in Frederick about 20 minutes away. But, you know, in our, in our, in our open area park, we had uh, a band playing and what few restaurants we have were all packed uh, to the brim. And um, everybody saw a huge uptick in sales. I think we had that, that weekend, we had about $20,000 uh, uh, that was brought into the community just from that weekend. Probably one of the coolest stories that we had was there was a um, uh, father who needed to get some parts for his son's bike uh, for the next day for the race. Uh, race was on a Sunday, and and he had called into the bike shop on Saturday looking for these parts. So uh, Saturday afternoon, the the uh, Adam down at the bike shop had kept it open for the party, and um, 
guy came down to pick up the parts. And when he was, when, when the shop owner was in the back picking up the parts, the dad was looking around the shop and he found this bike that he had been looking for. And he'd been eyeballing it at his local bike shop and it was on sale at our bike shop. So he ended up buying a bike as well as the parts that he needed for his son's, uh, for his son's bike. So that was a huge win for, for us for that weekend. Um, and just big validation from my standpoint, from the, Hey, listen, you know, bringing uh, mountain bike trails and uh, multi-use trails into the system, into, into the community. This is what it will do for, for us uh, economically. We've also done uh, uh, economic impact studies as well. And we just did one um, last winter and, you know, it was, it was a little heavily cited towards the mountain bike community um, just because there's a, a lot of different on social media in this area. There's a lot of different um, pages that you can reach out to, reached out to some running pages as well. But the idea is that we wanted to find out, you know, where are you coming from? Uh, are you spending money when you're in town? And that's what we found. We found that people were driving um, up to an hour, sometimes a little bit longer to come to this trail system to use. It's 59 acres. It's you know four to five miles of trail, but it, it's it's who we've used and how the trail system has been built that have uh, that's drawing our 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 users to come use this. Um, we've we've been called a mini bike park um, because while we do have the um, the single track flow trails, we we do have some progressive jump trails as well. So uh, you know, and with that additional funding that we had coming from the city. We partnered with a, a local uh, company called Greenstone Trailcraft uh, to build us more progressive jump trails, and uh, it's been huge. the um, The amount of people that are coming out to try these trails has been has been great, and 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 the type of people that are coming out. I mean, you have your people on your four or five, six thousand dollar enduro bikes, but then you also have the guys coming out again. You know, here we are in COVID, right? So you have guys coming out in in their nineties. Uh, in their late nineties, hardtails, uh, out to use these trails on the, you know, 26 inch bikes. And, and it's been, it's been really good. We've seen uh, a, a lot of, uh, positive things coming from, from having the trails coming in. Speaking of trails, if I remember right, I was looking at trail forks and I was doing a little research on this. Yep. And I think there's a trail named after you. There is. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I, I had no idea that this had happened. So yeah, it's one of the more difficult uh, progressive jump trails that we have. Um, and that was, uh, one of our locals, uh, had named that trail after me. Um, and, and when I first saw it, um, I actually found it, I was just, you know, kind of looking around on Strava and seeing who had been using the trail systems. I saw it, I was like, who the heck did this? And, uh, and I thought it was funny and, you know, I was like, well, I don't know if I want to keep that, but then I said, you know what, we're going to keep it. So, I mean, I, re- I typically, I just refer to it as Inferno, um, but a lot of people will refer to it as Carlos Inferno. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, I, I, I found, I found that interesting yesterday when I was, when I was doing some research ahead of, ahead of this. Yeah. That was not me, not my idea. <laughs> so with it being next to a school in a community, how often do you see people riding or running or walking to use these trails versus driving? And I'm talking about mainly the people that are within the community, not your people that are coming from out of town. Um, you know, anybody who lives uh, in, in my neighborhood or in the neighborhood across the street uh, from, uh, from the trail system will come over and, and ride the trails. Uh, there's sidewalks. 
Um, there's fields that you can use to come over. So you do see a good, good bit of people that are coming over either if they're running from their neighborhood or if they're on their trail or if they're on their bike um, coming over to the trails. We are a little bit spread out. So we still do see people um, bringing their cars uh, over and, you know, whether they're going to run or hike or ride their bike, um, they're still using their car to come over. Um, and again, fortunately, we have that, that parking from the, from the public high school there and, and the middle school. So we're able to, to utilize that parking when we need to. So let's transition a little bit into your, uh, just your community in general. What is, what is Brunswick like as a community? What, what type of things do you have going on there, maybe outside of mountain biking that people might be interested in? So a couple of years ago, we, uh, we've rebranded ourselves an outdoor, an outdoor town. There's a lot of things that you can do in our area. We have a campground that's really nice. Uh, and out of that campground, you can get on the Potomac River and you can go kayaking. Uh, you can go fishing. We're close proximity to the Appalachian Trail. And um, we're also, uh, well, from where we are, um, where I am, I'm two miles from the CNO Canal, which is Chesapeake and Ohio Canal, which is a 185-mile um, trail that was used Boy, back in 1850s to 1924, it was used as a as a means to haul goods uh, up and down the canal from Cumberland to DC, uh, being uh, pushed or pulled by horses. So now it's a it's just been resurfaced, and it's a it's a really nice path that you can take. And we actually get a lot of people who um, who will uh, ride their bikes through, um, you know, starting either on the Gap Trail or starting on the canal in Cumberland, uh, and working their way down to DC and they'll, you know, camp out overnight, different locations, different spots along the canal, uh, and come into Brunswick and, you know, eat at one of our establishments and, and then keep going. So we're a small town. We're about 6,500 to 7,000 people right now. We have, uh, two new communities that have gone in. One is still being built out. And I think by the time that's done, we're estimated to be about 11,000. So Brunswick is going through a lot of growth right now. So having a trail system like this in town has really done, an, uh, I think it's done a lot to, to, to help that growth. But, you know, we're, we don't have a lot of restaurants downtown right now. That's something that the city is working on. We, uh, we're mainly a commuter town now. Uh, we used to be um, a coal town back in the day. Some of the cool history that we have is, you know, um, we, um, Patsy Klein used to, uh, in, back in her early days, she played at our, uh, at our fire hall. So uh, that was pretty cool. Uh, the fire hall has since uh, been converted into our, uh, our local brewery, Smoketown Brewery. And uh, the, the owner has really done a lot to try to preserve the history of, of the, uh, of the building. He's uh, turning the upstairs space back into an event space. But back in the day, you had um, uh, a lot of uh, musicians coming into play there. Um, probably in the 80s, uh, if you remember the band Kicks, uh, they played there as well. So there's a lot of history in town. Uh, our, our local museum has a lot, uh, maintains a lot of that history uh, through, the, um, through the railroad era. And it, it's a cool town to visit. We're, we're hoping uh, for uh, some new development to be coming into town, potentially. We have a lot of buildings that unfortunately aren't in use right now, and they need a lot of repair. 
So it's, you know, it's one of those towns that is slowly moving in the right direction. And depending on who you talk to, they could tell you that it's just, it's a very slow process, but that's government, I guess, right? Yeah, you've probably heard me talk about the speed of government in the past. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. And, and I think that goes with everything too. I mean, even with, you know, even looking at these grants, for instance, you know, it's like, okay, I applied for the grant. When am I going to hear back from you? You know, it's been a couple of weeks, it's been six weeks, it's been a month, it's been two months, you know? So, yep. Yeah, it is. It's, um, it's frustrating, painfully frustrating at times. Yeah. Is there anything on the horizon that you have going as far as trail development? Do you have any more 59 acre sites that you're planning on expanding into? Um, yeah, I mean, there's a, there's a couple of things that we're looking at. Um, we actually, I just applied for another state highway grant. Actually, the, what's interesting is one of the reasons why I decided to, to, to reach out to you is because I uh, actually, the first, uh, the first trail effect podcast that I listened to was the one you did with Santa Cruz for pay dirt. And I had just applied for uh, that grant. Unfortunately, I didn't get it the first time. If uh, I, I might end up reapplying for it, if this if this grant doesn't come through through uh, State Highway, but we're uh, we're hoping to build out another mile of trail uh, on the property, and and that will be that will finish any uh, new build that we can do on the property. We also have a, a skate park that sits on the property that we're trying to renovate. Um, Potentially looking to build a pump track into that area as well. Somehow we really haven't talked about that too much, but that's just an idea. And then um, you know where Brunswick sits, we have a lot of uh, private land, a lot of agricultural area, and um, you know we're talking about looking at easements uh, um, onto some property as well uh, that sits just outside of town. Um, you know, if that happened, that would be great because then you're talking about turning a 59-acre trail system into over three to 400 acres. And, and that would be huge for this region. Uh, again, just, you know, trying to fill that void for, um, uh, for trail users coming from, you know, West Virginia, coming from Loudoun County um, and, uh, and looking for somewhere to ride. We also have a regional park in the area, um, which is uh, actually they're, they're continuing to build out right now. So we're trying to make a connection to that so that, um, you know, people in town don't have to you know, hop in their car and drive over, they could, you know, ride their bike or walk the two miles from, uh, from the trail connection to this new area. Yeah. So we'll see. Yeah. One of the other opportunities out there, which is an opportunity that we had, we're fortunate enough in getting in, in my community is the Imbus trail accelerator grant. Okay. Yep. And I think, especially with one of the questions, at least when, when we filled out the grant application back in 2018, one of the questions was your proximity to a school. Yep. Well, we're right there. You know, and, and they're, yeah. And so they're, you know, they're, they're new. I call it their new old motto, but it's really a, a good motto is more trails close to home. Right. Yeah. You know, and so that's, you know, not everybody has the opportunity to go to an epic destination to go mountain biking. Right. But you can provide those opportunities in communities, you know, especially for kids. Right you know, to be able to not rely on their parents. Yep, exactly. And we have some green space that, that exists in town as well. And, and so there is that potential as well to, to make a, a, um, an urban trail through town that could be a mixture of dirt and, and paved road to get from one side of town to the other. Um, that would uh, be a, bitty, uh, a pretty big project. Uh, Brunswick is a very hilly town. So um, that's, that would be a huge undertaking uh, if we're able to, to get something like that going. Um, but that's definitely something that's on the back burner. 
Uh, so we'll we'll see if that happens. Yeah. Well, before we wrap this thing up, let's talk about any supporters that you might have, whether that's uh, individuals, companies, businesses, sure, organizations, whatever, anything and everything. So I, I definitely um, a big shout out to to more. Um, I think without their help, uh, I, I don't think I would be able to get as far as I have with this trail system. Specifically, um, we have uh, you know Ernie Rodriguez, who's our president, Dave McGill, who's our Maryland Trails Advocacy Director, and um, uh, Peg Flaxman, who's our Executive Director. Um, but those are have been really big sources for me um, with this trail project. You know, even back in the beginning, probably one of the guys that really helped to push this forward and push it over to the edge to get the the city to commit to doing something like that was. Uh, a fellow liaison out in Emmitsburg, and his name is Tim O'Donnell. Uh, he was a really good guy because he was able to come out to our council meeting. Um, he had already done what uh, our town needed to do, which was accept this idea of a trail system. Um, he's another small town. Um, he's got 15 miles of trail, and um, and he gets a lot of people using that trail system as well. So that was huge. And then, you know, we, we there's also, you know, whenever you're looking at your trail system, you're looking at, you know, who can, you know, who can help out, you know, whether volunteering in some way. And, you know, not all of your volunteers are going to come in the way of people coming out and doing trail work. Um, it's just not their cup of tea. It's not something that they can do. You know, they're, maybe they're too busy with family or whatever that might be. But probably two of the biggest supporters that I have that really helped out, especially when you're looking at the amount of money that it would have cost to do something like this was um, I had uh, a, a graphic designer uh, Ashley Newkirk, who actually made these really awesome uh, trail signs for us for our flow jump trails. And that was pretty awesome. Again, that's, you know, um, typically you'd have to reach out to find somebody who can, you know, who can do this and, and, and do it the way that you want to do it. Um, and, and then you have to spend that money and it's a couple thousand dollars. Um, and while we all operate with a trail fund, you know, it's, you really have to be careful how you spend your money. And, uh, and then uh, one of our locals, uh, John Woody Woodruff, is another good guy who actually helped out. Uh, once we got those graphics made up, he actually is the one who was able to print them out for us uh, and put them on the signage. So anytime I um, you know, have a, a sign that I need to have made, I reach out to him and I say, hey, can you make these signs for us? And, uh, and he'll make them and, and we'll get them out there on the trails, uh, especially you know, when we had all this, the, the muddy the rain season and we needed to educate all the new users, you know, on, Hey, you know, don't ride muddy trails. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. That's a never ending battle, especially I think with COVID because trail use just went up so much and there were so many people that they didn't know. No. I mean, they just didn't know any better. Right. It was a, a huge uh, education push that we had to do. Um, but it was, you know, it was successful. We actually, unfortunately, you know, through the wintertime, we actually uh, closed the trail down for a couple of weeks just to make a point to, to get people to stay off the trail system. And, and it worked, you know, um, and that really helped out a good bit. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, living in the climate that w we probably have similar climates where you get freeze thaw and yep. stuff like that. And that's, that's hard on trails and not yeah, everybody yeah. really gets that. No, they don't. They don't. I mean, there's, again, it's a huge push, push on social media and all these pages to, uh, to get people to understand that, you know, listen, you can't ride these trails when they're in this condition. And then, you know, getting a lot of signs printed up and made and, 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 you know, put out yard sale type signs, put out on the trails to tell people not to ride them when they're like this and to educate them on, on, on when they can ride. And, and, you know, if you're going to ride it, 
in the wintertime, ride it super early in the morning when it's, you know, below freezing. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, that's what it takes if you want to ride them. So, yep. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Carlo, I really appreciate you reaching out so we can get your story out. Thank you. Yeah. These stories are, are awesome. You know, it's, it's a good story. And as, as far as how far you can really go with 59 acres. Yeah, it is. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You don't need a huge tract of land. You really don't. A state park or whatever your public access is to get trails done. And so thank you very much. I really appreciate that. And, and it's, it's, it's stories like this that really, I think, spur people's thought as to, hey, I could do this in my neighborhood or my community as well. Absolutely. Yeah, no, I agree. Thank you. That was a great opportunity. Thank you very much for listening to the Carlo Alfano interview. Our next episode will bring you the story of the Timberbell and how a Timberbell can help create more positive interactions between trail users on the trails. If you like what you've heard, please take the time to share these shows with others. Sharing these shows will help create awareness both of the guests who have taken the time to be on the show and the podcast series itself. Also, please remember to leave a comment and rate the show wherever you consume your podcasts. This podcast has been made possible by Mountain Bike Radio, Smith's Bike Shop in La Crosse, Wisconsin, and is an Evolution Trail Services production. If you have ideas on future communities or people to feature on Trail Effect, please don't hesitate to reach out by emailing evolutiontrails at gmail.com. Thank you again for listening. <laughs>